Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Sam Carroll, Adam Jones, and Chris Beasley as we chew the fat over all the major talking points, or the major talking point at Goodison Park. And of course, that is the future of manager Marco Silva in the wake of a damaging 2 0 defeat at home to Norwich City at Goodison uh, last Saturday. And we will attempt to unravel and pick through the wreckage of that situation, the manager's situation. Um, and what appears as though, at the minute, a bit of a stay of execution because he will be in charge uh, for the game at Leicester on Sunday. But after that is anyone's guess. Um, Sam, start with you. I think it's probably just kind of interesting to generally kind of ask everybody, um, what do you make of the whole situation, uh, you know, without going into the specifics yet, and we will do, just generally, how have we got to this point? 18 months on, we're here again. <laughs> It is honestly, uh, uh, it's been weird. I think, especially the last since since the Norwich game. I just some, sometimes it's nice to kind of like turn off from the footy and, and especially working here as well when you when, when you're not in work. But it has constantly just just been on my mind in terms of this is definitely the the weirdest situation that I've ever known Everton to be in. That we've essentially not been able to sack the manager really just because. There's just a total lack of alternatives because we're going into a run of games that if you did hire a new manager, you could potentially lose all of them. Uh, and that's not a defeatist attitude. That is just simply the way we're playing, how good some of these teams are, whether we want to admit it or not, that we're playing. Uh, so it, it is just, it is unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable that uh, the day, you know, I think back to the day we signed Moise Keane and the optimism and, you know, a, a, a decent start to the season. You know, after we beat Watford on the on the second Watford was the second game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the optimism around the team, around the manager, around the performances, around Marcel Brands was just sky high, and and now it is just it's just dismal. It's, it's an absolutely dismal time, and I, I just think Marco has just so, just shot himself in the foot so badly in terms of just just be, just beat Norwich, just <laughs> win that game, and and we wouldn't. We wouldn't now be here at the moment, and you've really got to look at it now, haven't you? And say that unless it's an absolutely remarkable ninety minutes of football at the King Power this weekend, I just don't think there's any way back. And and even if it was a remarkable ninety minutes, has it now became too fra- too fractured that that might not even save him? I, I don't know. It's just it's so difficult, and I couldn't even imagine what the what the mood of Finch Farm must be like at the moment. Adam, did you imagine that things would, the start of the season, as, as Sam had mentioned, could you have imagined that we would be at this point by not even December um, and talking about a manager being on the brink or, or being on very thin ice, if you like, and, and, and being in such danger? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't think it would be naive to think, you know, at the start of the season, we all looked at that fixture list and we thought, right, up until December, 
we've got a pretty favourable run. Barring, you know, like games against Spurs and Man City. Yes. You know, that's a fairly favourable run. If you just told me at the start of the season we'd lose to all three promoted teams all by a score of 2-0, uh, I, I would have told you to just go away. Like, that, that is absolutely not going to happen. But if it, it has, and, you know, it, it's just it's more confusing than anything else because it, sh- it shouldn't be like this, you know, Everton. I do have a squad of absolutely quality players. You know, they can put in performances, you know, like the West Ham game just, just over a month ago. You know, that, was, that was one of the best Everton displays we've seen in a long, long time. So to go from that to then go to this Norwich game, it's just it it is just baffling for the for the fans to watch. I'm sure it's probably baffling for Marco Silva to watch as well. And you know, let's not forget he has been, I'd say, very unlucky with in terms of like injuries and stuff this season. But at the same time, you know, I don't think you can you can pick Chenk Tosin and Gilfie Sigurdsson for a game at the weekend and then come out and say we were too slow. Well. We had quicker players on the bench. Yeah, like, if if that was the problem, why didn't they start? You know, it's those sorts of things, and it just feels like Groundhog Day with another manager now. The, the the supporters really seem to turn at the end of that, at the end of that Norwich game, and and it's as Sam said. You know, even if there is some sort of miraculous performance against Leicester, you 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 struggle to find, you struggle to see where the way back is going to come from because. We need we need a good consistent runner games. We still haven't won back to back Premier League games this season, which is which is absolutely appalling. Stats. So yeah, there's a, there's just a lot for a lot for the club to be thinking about over the next you know coming days and weeks because it just can't continue like this because we're coming into this. You know, we say it's a really difficult period of games, but it's a really important period of games as well. Like we need to be picking up points. We need to go through to the next stage of the cup like this. This is an absolutely massive couple of weeks now, and you know everybody at the club needs to find a way to uh, get through it. Chris is a uh, seasoned Goodison um, stalwart, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think Bill's trying to use um, kind words to make me say I'm older than this. <laughs> um, have you ever known or heard? I appreciate you know. You, you know, you've not been at every game for every season, but have you ever known or heard or or seen a situation like we had on Saturday where a large section of home support, and it was large enough for it to be significant, joining in the away fans' chant of you're getting sacked in the morning? I don't know if there ever has been times like that. There's obviously been many times of um, upset um, with the manager. I mean, famously, going back all the way... Howard Kendall before my time when they throw in the, the cushions from the, the main stand at Goodison and obviously Kendall was able to turn that around but I think that's part of the problem in that we're almost waiting for that magical moment I mean it might sound dramatic but um, comparing it to the, uh, the the Japanese and one in the, the, the you know the divine wind to come and save them this idea of Oxford United and a Kevin Brock back pass you know turned it around and Kendall became the Club, most successful manager in the club's history. I don't see that turning point coming. Um, but in regards to um, supporter unrest, I think that the fans were much more against Allardyce, but there wasn't that one moment, like you say, of them actually joining in a chance of you getting sacked in the morning. And I think that was the, the pivotal turning point in regards to Marco Silva. Um, when he came in, 
lot of question marks. He, he brought a lot of promise, but um, what had he actually achieved? But people were willing to give him a chance. They wanted a much more um, expansive approach after Allardyce and people just waited to see what would happen. Difficult times in his first season, but managed to turn it around with that strong finish in, in the springtime. So people were open-minded. They were um, pleased with the recruitment over the summer. And like we said, went into the season with a, a great deal of, of optimism and expected to be pushing um, on the door for a place in Europe. So yeah, so for, for it to have come to that, it, it was pretty spectacular. And I, and I think like us. Sam mentioned it could have all been all right if he'd got that result. We've got such a, a concertina division at the moment in mm. that they were just three points off you for Shields United. Get that home win ahead of these tougher and fixtures. And everything would have been relatively okay for Marco. But it's almost like after dodging a few bullets of what were must-win fixtures against West Ham by his own admission and a few more, the, Car- the Carabao Cup game, maybe when they were losing to Tottenham, if they'd not got something at Southampton, he'd come from a few tests. But all of a sudden... It finds themselves where they are now, and it's almost like the feeling was they'd come to the end of the road. I think it's it's as B says there, and it's obviously hard to to speak for that, uh, as you said, significant portion of of supporters who who joined in with that chant. But I think that's the thing, isn't it? That Evertonians, when Silver came in, were so set on okay, and 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 I think it was inspired by just kind of how miserable having Sam Allardyce as the manager was, but everyone, it was the same message, wasn't it? Let's give them time. And and they gave him chances. And, and I think they probably gave Marco Silva the, the biggest chance of, of any Everton manager in, in a long time in, in that dismal run we had between, I think, December and, and February last season, you know, where, where things, you know, especially after that, that Millwall game, it was grim, wasn't it? It was, it was really, really, really bad. Um, and, and, you know, to, to Silva's credit, he came through that. And as Bees has just pointed out there, he's came through a, a few this season. You know, oh, he needs to win this one. This one's big. This one's big. Don't lose that one. And, and, and he delivered every single time. But then again, as Adam says, it, it was just so difficult. Just everything that could have went wrong on Saturday did go wrong. But then at the same time, for the manager to then come out and say, well, we were lacking a bit of pace there. And again, again, it's difficult. Do you not change your winning team? It would have been difficult for him to say, okay, well, let's start a Wobie, let's start Calvert-Lewin for a team that, that had beaten Southampton. But I think the reason why things maybe got as heated in the stands as they did is because, one, I don't think fans like being able to sit in, in the Gladys Street, in the main stand, wherever you sat, and be able to see where things are going wrong themselves. And also then, because they have given the manager so much time because they have gave him so many opportunities because they've continued to back the team. You know, when you think about Liverpool coming to Goodison last season, you know, even though it, it had been a difficult spell, you know, the support they gave there was was one of the best uh, Goodison at- atmospheres in, in kind of recent times. You know, th- th- they've given a lot to the manager. They've given a lot to these players that at times haven't given a lot back. And, you, you know, you, you talk about the, the straw that broke the camel's back and, and maybe Norwich might have been that, just in terms of of people's patience being uh, well and well and truly broken, really. All three, I think all three of you have mentioned at various points in in your um, pieces there. Silver turned it round last season, so again, just just, <clears throat> just playing devil's advocate and for, for balance, why can't he do it again? Uh, I think this is a well. Th- I don't think there's any reason to say he can't do it again. Like, any anything's possible. He, he could he could find a find that magic formula. It, the you know that formation that really clicks with this team. This 
you know, the a consistent starting eleven would be would probably be quite nice. Uh, but it, it's just in much harder circumstances this time around, isn't it? Like when he had when he was doing it last season, we obviously had that sort of seventeen day break where it wasn't it wasn't really an international break, so we had the whole squad just at Finch Farm for 17 days, and he was like, right, drill this into them. This is how we're going to defend set pieces now, because obviously the, the zonal marking thing was what was killing us back then. So he, he seemed to sort that out for the time being, and he really seemed to drill in to his ethos to the players over that 17-day break. He's not really got that opportunity this time, and he's got a tougher run of games, uh, like consistently back-to-back, at least last season when we had that spell. It was all home game, and then we'd travel somewhere else away and then but it was like a tough run of home games. This time it's home and away. You you're gonna you're gonna struggle to pick up yeah. points in any of these matches. So yeah it it is possible, yeah, but he's gonna find it so, so much tougher and if if it doesn't happen against Leicester then I can't see how it is gonna happen. So you need, need there needs to be some sort of massive wholesale changes for me to the starting lineup or the Can he make them though? And I think has, that, he got the, has he got the? I think that's the problem. He, the he, options to I do. I think that. that's the problem. He'd say like he hasn't really got the personnel to do it. And I think another thing in his defence, I was mentioning obviously Cheng Tosin and Gilfie Sigson before. He's picked seventy million pounds worth of talent there. I mean, at the end of the day, they should be, they should be enough to be able to beat Norwich at home. And I don't think they stepped up in. The, you know, not picking them out particularly. I don't think any player stepped up in the way that they really should have. But you know. It, it it is just absolutely baffling. You, you really you really find it hard to even think of a way that this that this group of players can turn things around. Like you, fingers crossed, they can. And you know, the but yeah, isn't the strange thing though? And this is what has made made Saturday so so confusing for me was largely at Southampton. The performance the performance had been pretty positive. Mm. Played pretty well, relatively speaking, in patches and <clears> the run. Give or take, you know, Brighton, etc. The run from the last international break, the results have been pretty good, not brilliant, but mm. pretty decent. So, how do we go from finishing the inter- for the international break with a really positive performance and a first away win in the season at Southampton to turning that in? I, I don't think, get it. I think what what impressed me most about that Southampton game as well is when Southampton equalised, we showed a bit of backbone. Mm. It, it, it wasn't one of them where you thought. Oh, Southampton are going to go on and score the winner now. Like the, there was maybe a five-minute spell where Southampton pressurised a little bit more, but then it was Everton straight back on the front foot, and it was Everton who who got that winner. And that was that seemed like a turning point to me at the time. I was thinking, now they, like, they didn't fall behind, of course, but like this is this is a silver team now that's shown a little bit of backbone. And you know, obviously going into this tough run of games, it's probably going to be crucial for that to happen. And there was just there was just no semblance of that. At all, like, as soon as as soon as Norwich took the lead, it just didn't look like Everton were ever going to get back into that game, which is, you know, as as you said, it's completely baffling, and you know, I I don't know how how to solve that. So, I'm 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 not really sure how Silver is going to be able to solve it, or to, to be honest, I don't know how it, any manager is going to be co- be able to come in and solve that at the minute. Like there's yeah, there's some there's something just inherently wrong with with what's going on at the minute. I, I, I'm I'm at a loss to be able to put my finger on what exactly what it is. Um, Chris, no, um, no word from the club. No, no statement. No, um, 
no official message about the manager's situation. All we do know is that he will be in the dugout at Leicester on Sunday. Um, what happens after Sunday? I, I'm not. Unfortunately, I don't even know whether the people in charge know this themselves. That seems to be a big part of the issue. I think that on Saturday, after the two 0 defeat to Norwich City, the Marco's body language, the words he used, I think the manager himself thought he was going. I, I've, I know that they, they met to discuss his future, and I, I think he feared it. Time was up then, and obviously he said the the day off he went back to Lisbon, of course, with Louis Water and they were back in Finch Farm yesterday. Um, who knows what's what's being said? I'm sure there is plenty being said at that at, at the top level, and that seems to be um, the issue because we've seen at other clubs when um, a change of manager. Um, took place um, recently with uh, Pochettino. Mourinho was in there straight away. I mean, that wasn't the case um, at Everton two years ago when they got Ronald uh, rid of Ronald Koeman and there was the, the, the long period with Unsworth as caretaker before Sam Allardyce eventually came in. And it seems, from my um, way of looking in from mm. the outside, that may have a, a similar scenario here in that I don't think that Farhad Mashiri in essence, wants to sack Silva. He's his man. He pushed very hard to get him. Both Spent a lot of money yeah. to get him. The failed attempt, of course, before Allardyce, which caused all the bad blood with Watford, and then obviously subsequently getting him the following summer. So he's his man. I mean, he doesn't want to be seen as sacking his fourth manager in three and a half years. So I think that's actually helping Silva in that if it had been different circumstances, he probably would have gone by now. But um, Mr. Mashiri doesn't want to seem to be um, you know, pressing the panic button every time, and he is going to give him a bit more time because he's his man as well. So, um, I, I think that it, it could it could change on, on a day to day basis, and unfortunately, it would seem to me that they don't seem to know or they don't seem to be able to get whoever they do want. If it is the case that they they want to get rid of um, Silver at this moment, what at what point in in Farhad's plan and vision for the football club and 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 in the project, as, as people say, at what point does he have to give a manager more than one and a bit seasons? That, that's obviously the the plan, isn't it? And, and that was the plan this season. But I, I just think that there still has to be a, a line drawn somewhere. And, you know, I, I said after the Norwich game that the biggest problem that Silver's got at the moment and, and, and what I do truly feel sorry for him over is that you, you, you just can't sack a squad. Do you know, like, the, these players aren't as good as they think they are for a start and aren't playing the way they should be playing. And and that is that is killing Silver and it's killing Silver that, you know, who, who could have thought that we wouldn't get Zuma and then wouldn't be able to find an, an adequate replacement? Who would have thought that Jabamon would play 135 minutes and, and then lose the majority of his first season in English football. Who'd have thought Andre Gomez would, would suffer a, 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 a shocking injury in, in the manner that he did? But but the bottom line is is that the team isn't playing good enough and, and you can't sack all of them. So the manager in this modern world is is the one who, who, who gets it in the neck. And I, I just think that for Farhad at the moment, it must just be a total period of soul searching you know he's came in and you know I 
kind of get that football is, is an emotional sport and, and when things start going round, people start pointing the finger at every, everyone from the players to Marco to Farhad to Brands to the cleaners <laughs> good soon, you know, everyone at the moment is is seemingly getting it. But there, there is a part of me that feels sorry for Farhad as well because, you know, he's came in and he's he's pumped all this money not just into the football inside, but, you know, he's clearly very uh, invested for building us a, a new stadium, something that nobody else has, has ever done for Everton Football Club. He's, you know, completely transformed the finances of of the club. But he, he has obviously been totally committed to, to standing by Silver, but things have now reached a, a point where it, it it just might not be able to, to carry on. And I, and I don't think that's particularly Mashidi's fault. And, and for the reasons that I've said there, I don't think it is totally Silver's fault Either it has just been one of those times where everything that could have possibly gone wrong kind of has. And I think maybe now when you look back, I know with hindsight, it's it's always kind of, you know, you have twenty twenty vision, but kind of what we were speaking about the other week, feeling that maybe they did act a little bit too soon on Cumin, and then that kind of shone through in the fact that we didn't appoint a new manager until more than a month later. It was a little bit embarrassing the whole Allardyce thing that we kind of went back and he got an 18-month deal and we had to pay him so much money to get rid of him in the end. But right now it is just a total period of soul-searching for Mashidi because it's like, you know, most Premier League teams at the moment probably would sack Silva. There isn't an adequate re- replacement. The fixtures are probably going to leave us in the relegation zone if we if we don't kind of pull our fingers out. So there's so, there's so many factors to consider. And, and obviously, as you're saying... Not to go full Kev Keegan on it, but I, w- I would love it if we if we beat Leicester <laughs> and we could kind of come through this period and that we could, because Machidi, uh, Brands and Silver do have a plan and I do think that the signings in the summer suggested that they were signing players to play in a certain way, to maybe start bringing in that four three three, to kind of maybe phase out some of the players that didn't fit that that method, but at the same time that it, it's it's a results business and and we haven't got those results so. I just think it is, it is an absolutely massive decision that Mashidi's going to have to make in, in this next month, but I, I would be massively surprised if, if Silver did get more than the 18 months that he's on. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. Adam, let, let's try and work through the, the permutations then. What happens if we go and get a result at Leicester on Sunday? What happens to Marco? Um. Well, he'd have to stay, I think. Uh, I think it would be pretty unfair to to sack him after getting a, a res, what what would be a really good result against a team that are flying high at the minute. Uh, he'd have to he'd have to have the chance to see through see it through to the derby at least. I think it'd be tough to bring in an, like regardless of situation. I think it'd be tough to bring in a new manager just before the derby anyway. Like, Maybe you might get a bit of a new manager boost, perhaps if you go if you're going to Anfield. But you know, the end of the day, we're going to Anfield. Like yeah. a lot of teams will go to Anfield and lose this season, and you know we all know Everton's record at Anfield anyway. So it's going to be absolutely it, it's going to be really tough for us to try and pick up a result there. So it'd be it'd be hard to put in a new manager for that game. And then you're thinking pff, Chelsea Chelsea at home. That's a also going to be a really difficult game. Like it's, I, I it's, suppose, it's really. I, I suppose people will probably scream down 
screaming at <clears> car radio or, or at their phone if they're listening through that. When I say, well, what, but what happens if we get, get some sort of results someday, do well in the derby, and then come out of this run, which we all accept is very difficult, through into the next round of the Cup, having picked up a decent amount of points from these games. And we get to Christmas and actually, you go, oh, I haven't done too badly out of this. What what do, what happens to Silver then? This is kind of what, the, the issue for me is nobody knows and this whole uncertainty is what's killing everything. Because mm-hmm. what happens in that theory if, if actually Marco gets a response out of the players and we do all right? I, th- I think it's a tricky one because I think he'd I think he'd need to do exceptionally well to make fans forget about what okay. happened okay. in this match because you know we've we've had we've had it so many times this season it's just been consistently inconsistent mm. we we've at that point you know after the West Ham game you think oh this is this is it this is a turning point and then you get beat by Brighton obviously in you know unfortunate circumstances but still getting beat by Brighton and then you know you think back to this one or beating Southampton, showed a bit of backbone, this is great. Norwich at home, great chance to get a back-to-back win. Threw that away. Uh, didn't we have the chance to go top of the league against Aston Villa? Yes, yeah. Missed that, missed that opportunity as well. So, you know, all that has piled up now. Like it, it, the, the reaction after the Norwich game wasn't just because of the Norwich game. It's no. built up, pent-up frustration. And I'd, say, I'd argue probably some of that has been left over from that bad run last season. Yeah. Because I think... While we did finish the season pretty well, there was still the odd weird result thrown in there, like getting beat by Fulham mm. away from home. And, you know, I think supporters don't forget those bad bad runs. So it it would take something monumental for you know the, the Silver and the players to be able to turn this round to an extent where the fans will go, yeah, let's just forget about this <laughs> this bad run of form. Because even if we get to the end of the season, and let's say we were three or four points off where a position where we wanted to be, you'd go, oh, well, if we'd have beat Norwich rather than get beat by them. And so is that not the, is that again, just hypothetically for argument's sake, get into the end of the season or get into the point at the end of the season where we know if we're going to finish seventh as a target or we know how we've done in the cups. Mm. Is that not the time to then make a decision? You could argue. Yeah. Yeah, and you you could argue that is certainly the case, and I think you know the end of the season when you want to be doing these kind of big decisions anyway. It's a it's a chance to be able to take stock over what's happened before. It'll give a new manager, you know, ample amount of time to prepare for, you know, his first game in charge, etc. But you you've got to weigh that up with the fact that if if it gets to the point where like it it's just getting more and more stale and sour under. Under well, the current regime, all that granted, yeah, yeah, and I think that's what happened with Martinez. Really, I think, I think, under Roberto Martinez, I think his sacking was delayed a little bit too long, and you know, especially the atmosphere at Goodison was allowed to get far too, far too sour. You know, we had that protest after the Bournemouth game, mm. was it? So, you know, you can't really be allowing that to happen because I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time, but, you know, that kind of sour atmosphere is is going, is going to happen if these, these kind of results keep on going. So you've got, to, you've got to weigh that up with the fact that, you know, getting our new manager in, you might get the new manager bounce. It's, it's almost like a clean slate in the, middle of, in the middle of the season. It's not a guarantee, though. It's not a guarantee, absolutely not. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a chance to start fresh, and it's, it's a chance that Silva will struggle to... Yeah, for himself. Do you think Sil- Silver's 
um, situation and sort of fractured relationship with with the supporters. I'm not saying it would be solved by any stretch of the imagination, but would it be helped in inverted commas if the club made it clear? Right, we're still backing him. We're carrying on. And people, you know, and a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. Mm. But then everybody would know where they stand. Yeah, maybe. I I always look at stuff like that as like the dreaded vote of confidence. Like it's like it's. But the, but, uh, for the frustrating thing for me is that there's not, nobody saying anything. Yeah, I think yeah, and I've seen a lot of that from the reactions of Everton fans that I've spoken to. It's. It's a general lack of communication, really, over this sort of situation that is, it's, I'd, I'd say, at best confusing fans, if not making them angry. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that might help. Um, I'd, 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 I'd almost say it puts un, undue pressure on Silver, but I think he's under. <laughs> I think he's under the most amount of pressure that he's going to be under anyway. Well, so, absolutely, yeah. so yeah, I think yeah, I think you might as well. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'd go as far and as say right, he's got this amount of games no, to, no, to turn it around. But, yeah. but if it like if they came out and said, look, for, for the time being at least, like we are we are behind the manager. Except results aren't good enough. Everybody, in the yeah, area. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I'd argue that potentially goes out. It's fear, isn't it? Uh, 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 the problem is now is that for me it stinks of a, of a fear from from the up, the higher the higher ups at the club to come out and say something, and then for us to get spanked five nil by Leicester and then have to renegade on that, do you know? And yeah, but wouldn't wouldn't it, hypothetically say the club said we're supporting Marco, uh, we know results haven't been good enough, but we're cracking on, and then we go and get beat, like get an absolute hiding at Leicester. I don't think anybody would come back at them if if they decide to actually no. Sorry, that's not yeah. good enough. Mm. Maybe, and it, it, to be honest, it is just all just it is just totally up in the air, isn't it? And and I think kind of what what, what you two have, have just spoken about there, and I think and I think Adam summed up quite well. But just that whatever happens here, you know, if if we go with kind of that side of saying, yeah, we do come out of this run all right, we beat Leicester, you know, imagine for like. We got something at Liverpool, and, and then we beat Chelsea. You know, even if we did come out into the new year, mid-table, lower mid-table, whatever, Marco Silva is under pressure until the end of the season, and, and his job would, would be reviewed at the end of the season anyway because, yeah. because of this. So, either way, it, it's just one of them, and, and I just think at the moment it it is just so annoying and so frustrating that we, we shouldn't be having this conversation. I don't personally think Everton would have... Sack Silver or review this position, even if we'd have finished in the bottom half of the table in terms of like 10th to 12th, 13th, because they were so committed to, to build. You mean, or... No, this season again. I think right. if we'd have maybe finished mid table this season, there wouldn't have been a point where it would have got to this. It is just that we are now flaring with relegation. We are now in a position where I think if you ask the majority of Evan fans, we probably expect to be in the relegation zone at the start of New Year because of the way the fixtures have panned out. And because of how inconsistent we we've been throughout the season, so it, it it's just as bad as it can get. And and once it gets to that stage, a change of manager is always what what comes in, isn't it? So it it is just so difficult because a lot does ride on this Leicester game. There is still this strange little kind of ninety minutes of of limbo for Silver, where I know it's a totally different squad with with a new manager for them. But if if we do what we did last season and and we pull off a result, then people are going to say, 
all right, then, well, let's see what happens at Anfield. And then, and then we go again, and then you'd, you'd be going into a, a massive home game with Chelsea. So, you know, Everton have kind of done that, haven't they? they without saying it, they've they've stood stood by Silver and he's going to be in the dugout, and it's it's the it's the biggest 90 minutes of his career to date. But we've said that with Silver a few times. He's managed to dig himself out a few times, but th- this is a whole different different kettle of fish now, and... It will be so, so interesting to see what kind of team he picks, how, how we get on, how we play, to see whether the players are, are still kind of playing for him. You know, you think back to that Arsenal game for Koeman. You know, ironically, I think back to that Leicester game under Martinez. I know it was Sunderland that finished them off, but I think the Leicester one was the yes, one. Yeah, I know yeah. they just won the league, but you looked at that game, didn't you? You said, that's it now, it's, it, it is done. They're not playing for him. It's yeah. the idea... That's another, and that's another element. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. That was that was sort of chucked up in the air again after Saturday. That, oh, he's lost the dressing room. But how can he go from having got them, having rallied them for the, for the previous four or five games before the international break and decent results? You can't have lost them in the in the day and a half he had them back at Finch Farm. Well, weirdly with Silver, that that's been the difference for me between Cooman and Martinez. Yeah, and, and I've missed out Allardyce there, but I think. Any player worth the salt knew he weren't staying past the end of that season. Um, I, I don't particularly think he has, and, and I know it would be silly to kind of believe that everything the players said is always 100% true, but, you know, from the way the players speak about him, I think it's Mina that calls him the professor, and from what we've seen, as you said, at Southampton, I, I don't think he has lost the dressing room, and again, that's what goes back to, you know, I think Michael Ball said in, in his column, and, and, and what I kind of Lem from before these players just aren't as good as as they think they are, and what maybe other people have built them up to be, and and that's what I I I, th- I think there's three, four, five players in that Everton team against Norwich who, who if we had didn't have the injuries we had, or if we'd maybe have recruited a little bit better, wouldn't be anywhere near this this starting eleven because they're, they're not good enough. So that is the thing. I, I definitely don't think he's lost the dressing room. I just think it's been a perfect storm of of recruitment issues, of injuries, of, of as Adam says, being consistently inconsistent. And obviously that, some of that's got to fall at the door of silver that has, has just led us down this kind of horrible, horrible avenue once again of, of change of managers. You know, Everton fans, my age and Adam's age, you know, for a long time knew us as, as a club that stood by his manager and, and as a club that had an, a, a manager for 11 years. You know, it, it felt alien when Martinez first took over, but now... As you said, it is. It's just it's we now we don't know having a manager for more than eighteen months and this kind of revolving door and 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 ultimately for me it just it it's it's dissipate it's dissipating it's disappointing it, it is dissipating yeah. Yeah. yeah it's disappointing and and you know it, it's it's a little bit heartbreaking as well to just to just go through it again and and to see you know your Leicester's your Leicester City doing so well and. You know, even when you, you, you rewind 10 years to, to see the position Liverpool find themselves in and to see where they are now, it, it is just, you know, and even Spurs have, have, have done it recently. You know, we, we were miles ahead of them. We were finishing above Spurs every season. We were finishing, you know, we finished above Liverpool two seasons running. Leicester were in the Championship or League One or somewhere. And, and, and now to see where we are, and to see where we are this season after, again, people's hopes getting up, it, it's just so, 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 so frustrating. Chris, obviously, there's been the whole gamut of, of names thrown up and, and suggested as potential replacements uh, should Silver be sacked. Obviously, the one that 
probably carries far more weight than, than any of the others is David Moyes. It feels to me like there isn't really an appetite from the fans to see David come back. Um, what's your thoughts on that as a potential? Um, yeah, that's certainly what I've picked up on. I mean, um, since the weekend, um, I've been in all, all week and various things have been said and he's been mooted as one of the uh, front runners if there were to be a change in the, and there doesn't seem to be an appetite um, for that at all. Not that people are ungrateful at all for what he did, as we mm. said, very much an anomaly, as, um, although it's what Sam and Adam might have grown up with, but obviously managers don't tend to stay that long at any club. Um, so 11 years at Everton, he obviously got a lot more right than he got wrong. Um, ultimately, though, fell short first time round. I mean, he might think, well, I've got the extra funds now. i do what I couldn't do first time round. Um, but we've got to look at a, a couple of things here about where David is in his career at the moment. Um, I think he would struggle to get a job at any other Premier League club at the moment. So it's just on the fact that it's either sentiment or he knows the club. Um, you just look at that time period as well. Um, 17 and a half years ago, he came to the club. That's a longer period of time between Kendall's first appointment and Kendall coming back third time around. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that that was 16 years. So football's changed a lot in that period. I'm not saying at all that David Moyes is a dinosaur or yesterday's man, but I don't think they'd be getting anywhere else in the Premier League now. So I think... That's what many of the fans are, are talking about now when they, they think about the prospect of Moyes coming back. Just seen as a, a retrograde step, they're not even anti-David Moyes. A lot of them are very appreciative for Absolutely, the great yeah. job that he, he did there. But given that all the money that like we said that Mr. Mashiri has pumped into the club and greater ambitions and trying to look forward. So after three and a half years of all the manager comings and goings and all the millions spent on the team, if you're all of a sudden it's, oh, let's go back to the... <laughs> The guy that um, left six and a half years ago and hasn't lasted a year in the job in any of his um, positions since then, whether it's Manchester United, Real Sociedad, Sunderland, West Ham, it just it just doesn't fit. It just seems <coughs> to fit right with many of the Evertonians, and I think that's a big part of this great um, hesitancy for them to go down that route if they, if they were to to um, get rid of Marco. So it does seem to be that that would be a very unpopular choice, not not because of David per se. But because of what it would represent, that move. Adam, any take on uh, on that particular issue? Uh, I think I've got to, <laughs> got to agree with Bees. Really, I think you know you can't ignore what he did at Everton, but in a similar vein, you can't really ignore what's happened since he left Everton. You know, he had the funds at Manchester United, and mm. they, it didn't work out for him there. You know, he tried his hand in Spain, didn't work out for him. He's been back in the Premier League twice, didn't really work out for him. I'd argue he probably actually did all right at West Ham, but yeah. it, it did still still wasn't enough to get him the, the job. And I think what Bees has quite rightly said there, like he, he wouldn't be getting a, another Premier League job. Like it is just Everton. And it's it, it seems like there's there's some sort of perception like he would be some sort of safe option for Everton. Like as if like he'd come in and instantly like he'd get the club and you know every, everything would be all right again. And I just don't think that's that's a guarantee whatsoever. I don't think he's got any more guarantee than any other manager that's going to come into the club. And I think Everton really should be looking at better options than David Moyes at the minute because, you know, as, as Bees has quite rightly said, he wouldn't be getting a job anywhere else. So why should he instantly walk into a club which has, you know, got European ambitions, really? So, it, yeah, Moyes just doesn't, doesn't really seem to fit that ideal. 
Okay, we'll um, we will reconvene around the pod table again on Friday uh, post Marco Silva's uh, press conference. But just before we wrap up uh, today's, um, some of you are betting men, some of you are not uh, around this table. Uh, I'll each I'll ask each of <clears throat> every one of you um, when we get to Christmas. You're opening your presents, Sam, and <laughs> took it into your turkey. Who will be in charge of Everton Football Club? Well, <laughs> <laughs> too busy thinking about the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, then, all right, then I'll simplify. We'll, we'll, yeah. will Marco still be there? No. No. Just, okay, yeah. Adam? I, yeah, I find it hard to, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think he will be. You? Just to be different, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Honestly, who knows? Everybody listening, anybody listening to this who's got the answers, send them in because nobody knows. Yeah. Send them to the club, nobody knows. <laughs> um, it's a crazy time, isn't it? Thank you very much for listening, chaps. Thank you for your company. Uh, you have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.